you ladies. I, I mean, I'm just thankful, and I say this a lot, that God made me a man. When I see, when I see what you women go through, I always get a little choked up this time of the year when I think about the sacrifices that moms have made, not just to birth your children, but also to raise them. It ain't over when you, when you hear the little one crying. Now you got another 18 years or more before they're young adults, and that takes a lot of time. And the adage that a mother's work is never done, how many can say, amen to that, Pastor Norm? And with that said, we'd like to honor our mothers. So if we could, if you're a mom, would you mind standing up today? And, and stay standing. Hallelujah. Thank you. We love you guys so much. And, and as I said, I'm just so great. Please stay standing if you would. If you want to get in on this prayer blessing, just extend a hand toward these moms. Would you bow your heads? Father God, we stand in awe of your greatness. You are so wise as you saw fit to make women the mothers of this human race. Through their great sacrifice, giving birth and then raising their children up in the ways of the Lord, we carry out the mandate to procreate and fill the earth. Your plan was good and it has obviously worked. Today is their sons and daughters we would like to honor these special ladies. We give thanks for each one, and we pray that you would continue to bless them with long life and much happiness as they witness the fruit of their labor or labors. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. You may be seated. I love that little part at the end. And we pray... We pray that you would get the fruit of your labor. <laughs> get it? Anybody else catch that? Hallelujah. How many have lost a, a mother already? They've gone on to be with Jesus. All right. It's going to be a little difficult, but can we just take a moment of silence just to remember that mother, and then we'll continue. Praise the Lord. The cars are even worshiping. One of my devotions this week was from Dr. James Merritt. I don't know if you've heard of him. Uh, and it was called Following the Shepherd. We don't need to keep the door open, though. Please shut it. Thank you. Yeah. I wanted to begin today by sharing some some of Dr. Merritt's thoughts on what Jesus and moms have in common. Have you ever thought of that? What, did, what does Jesus and our moms have in common? Yeah. So, let's begin with John 10, 27. I'm going to put most of them up behind me, if not all of them. And My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. My sheep listen to my, would you say that with me? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Now, who is this saying this? Jesus. Jesus. All right, very good. 
So how many have ever been in the store and you have heard a child screaming or yelling, Mommy! Mommy! Anybody? Just me? And what happens when you hear that little child doing that? All the women look right at that child. But here's my take. Normally when this happens, it isn't the mother who look at the child. It's the other moms out of instinct. All right, is everything cool? Is everything all right with this little person? What's the real mom doing? The birth mom. She's over there. Why? Why would she do that? Because she knows when her child is in danger. She knows his or her voice when they're really in trouble and when they're just trying to get attention and be frustrating. How many moms can say amen? That's what Jesus is saying. He knows your voice. And you should know his. You should be able to pick Jesus' voice out of any crowd if he's speaking to you. No matter how intense that crowd might get, you should be able to hear from him. And that's where I'm going to go today with this message. Dr. Merritt pointed out how a mother knows her child's voice. And she knows how to respond accordingly. You know the Holy Spirit knows the same. When you are in trouble, he knows the difference between that and when you're just whining. And we all whine, don't we? I've caught myself doing that at least two or three times this week. But when I'm really in trouble, God knows. And he shows up in a big way. How do women know this? How do they lock into these little children of theirs and understand who, who's theirs, who isn't. I believe it's because they were born with that instinct. You know, we were all created in whose image? God's image. And that means if he can hear us, we can hear. If he knows our voice and we should know his, it's, it's the same with the, the women, the moms. You should know your child's voice and be able to pick it out in the middle of a crowd. And most of you probably do. And the same is true with us. We should know the voice of God when he speaks to us, even in the midst of a crowd. In a sense, moms are like the good shepherd and vice versa. Now listen to how Dr. Merritt describes the job of the shepherd. I love this part. Part of the job of a shepherd is to know the cries of his sheep. And the sheep know the voice of a good shepherd. You with me? And then the next passage is just a few verses down. John 10, 14 and 15. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep and they know me just as my Father knows me. And I know the Father. Meaning, Jesus and the Father are intimate. And he finishes this with saying, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. We see in John 10 that Jesus is the good shepherd. And the question could be asked, what does a good shepherd have to do to be considered good? Have you ever thought of that? I'd like to answer that. And when I do, as I read this, I thought, to me this sounds like a mother's job description. You with me? The good shepherd takes care of his sheep. 
Any kids in here today? No kids. All right. The good shepherd takes care of his sheep. Can I get any? Man. Not the adults. Man, you're all a bunch of kids. The good shepherd takes care of his sheep. How? He watches over them and he protects them. That mean old wolf comes in, what's he going to do? He's going to whoop them with that big stick he carries. He makes sure that they're fed and nourished. He makes sure they, they get into new pastures every now and then so they're not just eating the root, the, the dirt. you got to move them once in a while. He ensures that they stay close so as not to wander off. Do you hear any similarities here? This is what a mom does. Just go on a shopping trip. you got to take your little fruit roll-ups, your little go-gurts. You know, you got to make sure they're nursed on the trip. you got to protect them, keep them from the bad guys. And certainly, you want to make sure they don't walk off. I've actually seen moms, well, more at theme parks, but where they've had those uh, tethers. They're, they're like leashes. And I thought... Whatever it takes, I guess. Wow. That's what moms do for their children. And I hope you understand that's what the good shepherd does for his children, for his family. That's you and me. Can I get a good amen for the good shepherd today? Amen. How many are thankful that Jesus protects us, nourishes us, and keeps us from walking away? And he does do that. Now, this is important. This is probably the the crux of the message. Do you know the Good Shepherd's voice? Do you? How many with a nod? Yeah, I, I know it. I know it. I've heard it. Dr. Merritt used the illustration of Mary Magdalene as one who knew the shepherd's voice. This is found in John chapter 20. John records how Mary went to the tomb even before the sun had come up that day. How many know that's early? She wanted to make sure that his body was okay. But when she got there, she discovered what? His body was gone. And what's her first conclusion? Who stole Jesus' body? She freaked out. So what what did she do? Went to get help. She ran to Peter and John. And it doesn't actually say his name, but we know it's him because he's writing this book. And he kind of, he actually says he got there first. It was kind of funny. I like that part. And when they got there, what'd they see? They found Jesus' clothes neatly folded in a little pile. Kids, do you clean your room? You should. Even Jesus took care of his clothes and put them in a little neat little pile when he was done with them. All of us should do that. So, what did the two men do? Oh, there's no body. So what did they do? What would any good man do if it's before the sun came up? He went back home. They went back home. Probably went back to bed. Think about it. And what did the woman do? She stayed right there, locked in that tomb, grieving for her Lord. Grieving for her Master. You see, the Bible actually says right here, 
in John 20, it says that Peter and John didn't remember what Jesus had said, that he was going to die, be buried, but on the third day rise again. They forgot that part. So they just went home. Well, I guess Jesus' body isn't here, so ain't nothing we can do. Let's go home. And I don't mean to pick on the men. Listen, I'll build you guys up on Father's Day. Today, today's the women's day. So, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm showing off the women here. And Mary, she, she just reflects that kind of woman. I love this. But the woman stayed behind and grieved the loss of her Savior. And while she was there, and I want to read this little part in John 20, verse 11 and following. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. Everybody go, come on, kids, you got to help me. All right. You're stooped, and you're looking in. Where are you looking in? Into the tomb, and it's dark in there. But listen to what she saw. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head, the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying, they said. The angel asked her, because they have taken away my Lord, she replied, and I don't know where they put him. So what was she worried about? His body. And then in verse 14 it says, she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you put him, and I will go get him. Here's what I want you to see. Mary, Jesus said, and she turned to him and cried out, Rabbani, which in Hebrew means teacher. She recognized him when he spoke her name. How many in this room would recognize if Jesus cried out to you today? If he said Shane, smooth, or whatever it is you like to be called, would you know his voice? I'm just picking on you. Jesus finished quickly. Don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers, tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord, and she gave them his message. How did she know him? She didn't recognize him. Why? Because he was in his almost glorified body. He hadn't been completely changed yet. But obviously he was different, especially from when he was hanging on the cross, bruised and beaten. I'm certain that when he was up there, he was unrecognizable. But now, he's near glorified body. And that's why Jesus said, don't touch me. I'm not there yet. Not in that final stage yet. But she didn't recognize his face. She recognized his voice. You with me still? She was grieving for him when Jesus came to her. And with that one word, Mary, she recognized her master's voice. Let's look at this again. The NLT says, say it with me, my sheep listen to my voice, I know them, and they follow me. Is that you? Let's read this out of the New King James. It says it a little different. My sheep what? Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Who's expected to hear? 
We've got to have ears to hear. Why does Jesus say that throughout Revelation? He says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. And I would say that to you today. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Master is saying today. He's speaking to us. He's trying to get a hold of us. He's trying to love on us. Mary Magdalene, she demonstrated how all Christ followers should be. And I, I have a, a four things that I wanted to show you. She was the first to go looking for the Lord. Do you look for the Lord? Do you? Really? I mean, do you really go looking for him? I pick on him all the time. And I'm picking on him again today, and I didn't ask permission, so sorry, Jeff. Pastor Roger came in yesterday to, to practice. And he was practicing up here by himself. Audience of one. And Jeff felt compelled just to come to the church. Saturday afternoon. I'd already left, so I don't know what time he got here, but it was later afternoon. And he said, Pastor Roger... Do you have anything? Do you need anything? He said, well, no, not really. And then Pastor Roger just, I guess he felt like praying. So Jeff decided, well, I'm just going to hang with you and pray then. So they started praying. They had, a, they had a prayer party here yesterday afternoon. Now, let me ask you this. Who is it that goes looking for Jesus? Would it be Jeff? I think so. The rest of us, usually, we're pretty wrapped up, pretty involved in life. But do you actually go after him? You're with me. You hear me. Am I making sense at all? The second part. She stayed behind out of her deep commitment of love and loyalty toward Jesus. Do you linger or wait upon the Lord? Do you know there's nothing that he wants from you more than a relationship. He wants you. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your talents, even though you may be talented. He wants you. Your time. And the more, listen, the more you invest in your time in Him, the more you linger with Him, the more you're going to look like Him, and the more blessed your life is going to be. You struggling with stuff? Then start spending time, linger with the Master. Third, Mary expressed a deep, abiding faith in the Lord. Obviously, out of all of them, she went back. Is your faith in Jesus evident to you first? I say that on purpose, and then to others. Do you actually believe that you have faith? And then do others around you see that faith in you? Everybody knew Mary believed. All right? Finally, when Jesus approached her in his new form, she didn't recognize him, but as soon as he spoke her name, Mary, she went to her knees and began to worship him. Do you recognize the Good Shepherd's voice? 
Do you recognize him? Now I'd like to ask a question. Have you ever asked yourself, what would I do if Jesus in his glorified body were to come back? Let's say I'm I'm getting out of my car at home, I'm about ready to go in the house, and all of a sudden I see this angelic being standing in front of me and he says, Norm. What would I do? There are two choices. The first one is what Mary did. What did she do? Got down on her knees and worshipped him. She fell to his feet because she knew this is is him. He's arisen from the dead. He's all that he said he was. He is God. And he called me by name. What can I do to earn this? Nothing. All I can do is fall to my knees and worship him. And that's what she did. Why could she do that? This is why. Romans 8.1, there's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. When you are born again, when Jesus has paid the price for you and you've accepted that gift of salvation, then you can fall to his knees, to his feet, and worship him. But if you don't accept what he did for you, if you don't cry out, Jesus, save me, then what will you do if he shows up in his glorified body and he calls out your name? You're going to cower. No, Lord. Not now. I'm not ready. No, Lord. Not now. Don't be that person. Be like Mary. Get right with God. So when he shows up and calls your name, you can fall to his feet and worship him. No worries. What's that mean? That means from now on, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to spend forever with the master. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Okay. So last week I asked this question. How many have heard the voice of God? And, and I, was sure, I was pretty surprised. About half the room raised their hand. Now if I take into consideration that a handful of the, the rest of them that didn't raise their hand were probably too sleepy to raise their hand, I came up with a number of about a third of the people last week had not heard the voice of God. What does that mean? Is that a bad thing? Why is it important? My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they will follow me. How are you going to know his voice if you haven't heard it? That tells me something is out of place. If you don't know his voice and he calls out to you, how will you listen? What What if he's trying to give you a warning? Or what if, what if he's trying to give you some words of affirmation? How many could use those sometimes? You know, to hear Jesus tell you, good job, well done. Anybody besides me? I mean, I don't always hear that. Sometimes I hear, Norm, what are you thinking? You blew it. But man, when the master says, good job, 
Norm, I'm so proud of you. I melt. I melt. What greater honor than Jesus telling me, good job. And if you jump into the book of Revelation, and I've got this up behind me, and I highlighted that, by the way. Revelation 3.20, look, he said, I stand at the door and knock. What's that say? If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. If you hear his voice. This is why it's so important to know his voice. And if you don't know it, then ask him, Lord, help me to hear from you. Give him permission to speak into your spirit, man, and you will hear. Now it takes a little practice over the years. I've learned how to listen better, and even in the most dire circumstances, I'll hear that little voice say something to me. But it takes time. It takes practice. But you got to start somewhere. So be that person and go to him and listen. Now most would agree that a good mother protects her children, right? What does she protect them from? Harm? Eating too many Twinkies? Anything. Whatever's bad, she wants to protect them, keep them from harm. And most mothers encourage their children with positive reinforcement, right? Most. There are probably a handful that said, my mom never said anything positive. We'll talk about that at the end. Listen, God wants to encourage you. But how can he do that? How can the good shepherd do that if you don't know his voice? You hearing me? I know it's quiet in here, but I just want you to take this in. If you don't know his voice, you won't hear those warnings. You won't hear the positive words of affirmation. So what this says to me is take time to linger in his presence and learn to listen to what your Savior has for you to hear. Can I get a good amen? I want to shift gears. I'm going to go back to the Old Testament real quick. The book of 1 Kings, chapter 3. If you have your Bible, you can turn there with me. I will show some of these scriptures behind me. Now here we find an illustration of King Solomon's wisdom. How many know who King Solomon was? That's David's son. And David thought he was going to build the Lord a temple, or build a temple for the Lord, but the Lord said, no, not you. I'm going to have your son do it. So he ends up doing it. At around the age, the Bible says, or excuse me, Scholars say around the age 20, they made him king, and he didn't know how to be a king. Anybody ever found yourself in a leadership position, and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. Where do you go? Go to God. I've been there so many times, I can't even begin to tell you. Solomon went to the Lord. He, the Bible says he made a thousand sacrifices to the Lord. You think he was trying to get the attention of God? And he did. And God said, what do you want from me? Could have asked for anything. Could have asked for a thousand wives, which he ended up with later. Could have asked for millions of dollars, which he ended up with later. But what did he ask for? He said, Lord, give me wisdom 
so that I will know how to rule your people righteously. And the Lord was so pleased with what he'd asked, he gave him that and everything else. And there's an example of the wisdom that he'd been given in 1 Kings 3, starting with verse 16. And it happens to be about two mothers, okay? You been there? Sometime later, two prostitutes. Okay, really? Pastor Norm, are you saying we're prostitutes? No, but they're also moms. Just forget about what their career is. All right? So sometimes later, two prostitutes came to the king to have an argument settled. Please, my lord, one of them began. This woman and I live in the same house. I gave birth to a baby while she was with me in the house. Three days later, this woman also had a baby. We were alone. There were only two of us in the house. But her baby died during the night when she rolled over on it. Then she got up in the night and took my son from beside me while I was asleep. She laid her dead child in my arms and took mine to sleep beside her. And in the morning when I tried to nurse my son, he was dead. How many women would be going, whoa. But when I looked more closely in the morning light, I saw that it wasn't my son at all. Wow, what a story. Then the other woman interrupted, it certainly was your son and the living child is mine. No, the first woman said, the living child is mine and the dead one is yours. And so they argued back and forth, back and forth before the king. Now this is where Solomon steps in, the king, and he says this profound thing. All right, let's get the facts straight. Both of you claim the living child is yours and each says that the dead one belongs to the other. All right, bring me a sword. So a sword was brought to him. Now, I do not recommend you do this, okay? In fact, I highly discourage this type of behavior. If I could, I would put a little label up there, don't do this at home. All right, you're with me. Then he said, cut the living child in two. What? And give half to one woman and half to the other. <laughs> what? What kind of nut king is this? Then the woman who was the real mother of the living child and who loved him very much cried out, Oh no, my lord, give her the child. Please do not kill him. And the other woman said, All right, he'll be neither yours nor mine. Divide him between us. I don't care. I added that part. Then the king said, Do not kill the child. Give him to the woman who wants him to live, for she is his mother. When all Israel heard this, huh, they were in awe of the king, for they saw the wisdom that God had given him to render justice. Wow. Why am I bringing this up on Mother's Day? Because to me, this is a true picture of a beautiful mother. I immediately began to think, how many women became pregnant at a young age and ended up having to give her child up for adoption because she just didn't have the resources or the maturity to take care of that person. Isn't that the same? She thought more of the child than of herself. And I thought, wow, maybe that's you. I wanted to look at some of the attributes of this mother, the positive things, and how they're common with our master. 
First, she could tell her own, right? She'd only had them for a few days, but she already knew her baby, especially in comparison to the other one. Immediately, when the sun was high enough to be able to tell, she went, uh, not mine. That's just how we are. You know God knows you. He has counted the very hairs on your head, folks. He knows you intimately. That's how much God knows you. And he can tell his own. Second thing, she had a heart that always protected. Listen to me. There's no greater act than when somebody gives his or her life for another. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. He was the king. He was God's son, living as God's son in heaven. And God said, hey, we got an issue. The people down on earth can't come to heaven because they have sin in their life. I need a savior. I need somebody to go. And he said yes. He said yes. Father, not my will but yours be done. And he knew what it was going to mean that he would have to go through great pain and suffering. But he wanted to protect you and me. Third, she showed great sacrifice. A sacrificial love, it didn't matter what the circumstances would bring. It didn't matter what consequences would follow. She was willing to do whatever it took to love this child wherever he might end up. And you know, this is that agape love that God loves us even while we were yet sinners. Christ loved us. Pretty amazing if you ask me. And this leads to the end of verse 15, John 10, 15, where he said, I sacrifice my life for my sheep. And as we have seen, there are many common things between Jesus and moms. Moms sacrificed their lives for their families. Jesus gave his life for his family, you and me. Poke your neighbor and say, that's us. Perhaps that's why it's so easy to love moms and Jesus. Perhaps. Just saying. As I begin to close, Jesus, the good shepherd, said, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. They know me. Just as my Father knows me and I know the Father, so I sacrifice my life for my sheep. Most of, most of us are blessed to have loving moms. All of us are blessed to have a loving Savior. Did you hear that? Most of us are blessed and have loving moms. All of us are blessed and have a Savior who loves us. Just like we know our mother's voice, we should know the Good Shepherd's voice. He will guide us into all truth. He will protect us from evil. But we need to learn to hear His voice. Would you stand with me? Perhaps you would say today, Pastor, I don't know the voice of the shepherd. And listen, I know, I know there are people in this room because I saw it last week. 
I'm not calling you out. I don't even remember. That's the good thing about being 60. I don't remember who didn't raise their hand last week. But I would ask, would you like to know him if you don't? If you don't know his voice, would you like to get to that place where you do know his voice? I'd like to pray with you before we get out of here today. Or, and I really felt strongly about this, some of you may have had a mom who wasn't loving and who wasn't nurturing like the mothers that I've tried to portray here today. And you're struggling as a result. Your life has been maybe even tipped upside down. And I would ask you as we close to give your hurts to the Good Shepherd. Give your hurts to Him. He can bring healing to your heart and soul. He can make you well again. I believe that with all my heart. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would, if you'd like me to pray for you for either one of these today, would you just lift your hand? Yes, anybody? Yes, you can put them up. Thank you. Many hands have gone. Anybody else? All right, I'm going to ask all of us just to pray this prayer with me, and then we're going to close with, with a little gift to our mom, so don't run off yet. Would you pray this, saints? We're a big family, right? Heavenly Father, I need you. I need your love. I'm not complete without it. Today, I give you my life. I confess my known sins and any that I don't know about. Maybe I forgot. Wash me clean, O Lord. I put my trust in you today to serve you all the days I have left to get to know you, to learn to hear your voice. And right now, I give you permission. Speak to me. I might hear. Give me ears to hear from you, O oh Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. And Lord, if I've been hurt by my upbringing, maybe my mom didn't know how to be a mom, I ask you today, bring healing to my heart. Lord, show me what a real mom needs to be. What she should look like. Lord, bring healing to my heart and to my soul. That I wouldn't be under this weight any longer. Set me free. As that song said, you are the chain breaker. Break those chains, oh God. Again, I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And I hope you know that if you ever need to talk to people, we're here. Talk to us. You can call us. We'd be happy to sit down with you and discuss whatever it is, whatever hurts you have, because we care. But the Good Shepherd, He's the one you need to go to first. Always and foremost. Even better than our mom, right? Amen? Right. So, as you go out, mothers, all you moms, raise your hand if you're a mom. All right, I'm expecting all of you 
we'll get one of these. It's a little plant, and it's in a cup, and this little card stuck inside of it, and it just says this. We want all our moms to know how much we love them and cherish them. And I love this. This was a quote from Stevie Wonder, who I included. It says, Mama was my greatest teacher, a teacher of compassion, love, and fearlessness. If love is sweet as a flower, then my mother is that sweet flower of love. And I think what hit me the most was this man didn't see, and yet he knew the love of his mother. How cool is that? And then in the final part of this, it says, the plant you have been given is just a symbol of what you have done for your family. As you nurture and protect it, eventually it will bloom and bring joy to many. We love you, moms. And at the bottom, it actually says, it's a dianth- dianthus flower, and it needs full sun, just in case you wondered about that. So, all right. This is going to be given to you. Please grab one on your way out. I think we've got enough for all the moms who are in here. Uh, we've got a few back here and uh, many out here. So, Father, we thank you again for our moms. We are so blessed, Lord, to have good moms. I pray that as we go out of here today, we would continue to honor them. Lord, fill them with your love. Fill us with your love so we can love them even more. Lord, Keep us safe in our coming and our going as we travel. And we just lift up this church to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week in Jesus. Make sure and get one of these plants, mothers.